Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right, well, good afternoon. And uh, back again with the King's Road, a Chelsea FC show all about the happenings at Chelsea Football Club. And it comes to you straight from the very tip of the African continent in Cape Town. Uh, my name is Nick Charlie Key. I'm mm-hmm. one of your hosts. And uh, as always, I've got my good friend and fellow Chelsea supporter, Sean Knockat. Hey, good to see you, Nick. How are you doing today, Sean? You're doing well. No, good, brother. Awesome. Pretty good. Well, we've had a we've had a busy week. We've had a uh, last time we were chatting all about the new appointment, about Graham Potter coming in, the dismissal of Thomas Tuchel. Feels like an age since it happened. It feels like it's been months, but it's only been what, about a week and a bit. Yeah, it does. My, my heart's still Man. sore, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, my my heart broke. Did you read? Uh, did you read Tuchel's um, his like farewell letter? I did, and I cried myself to sleep again. Um... It was pretty sad. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I like, uh, I actually legitimately c- couldn't read it for like two days. Uh, I like, saw it there. I started really? reading. I was like, I actually can't. I actually can't. I'm it's like too, too emotional. I've got to like, I've got to, like, I've got to leave it. I've got to wait for, <laughs> wait for a time when I'm like, I've calmed down emotionally. So. Yeah. I, I think the last time that happened was um, when John Terry left his farewell message on Instagram. I don't know if you remember that. That was the I last time I well. felt like a ooh, dagger in the chest. It was pretty yeah. bad. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it, it felt, I don't know if it's because it came, you know, you could see the decline in, in Lampard's reign when he was manager. And obviously, being my personal hero uh, of, of Chelsea, like, you know, players and whatnot, it's still, the Tuka one almost felt more harsh than, than that one, you know? And you would expect, you've had such a, you've had so much more um, sort of relationship, in a, in a sense, with with a Lampard than with a Tuka. Yeah. It's weird that the Tuka one seemed to hit harder. I don't know. I don't know how you felt. Yeah. No, I mean, I honestly think Tuchel won over all the fans' hearts. Like, honest, besides Rory Jennings, I think he's <laughs> gone into everyone's hearts. Um, and, it, yeah, it was painful, man. It was like, the thing yeah. is, like, top coach, absolutely loved. He stuck by us in, like, the hardest, most difficult period of Chelsea. And it just felt like a kick to the nuts, um, the timing of it all. But... If you are listening to this and you want to get into all those details, we did chat about it last week. I'm not going to go on. Yeah, you can go check it out. Yeah, no, no. I think it. I think. I think you. You're right. Um, he. He. He made his. He made a, a big impact on the club. And and it's interesting. I saw. Um, I saw you tweeted from our account. You know, and I think it's something worth saying as well. I don't understand half of Chelsea Twitter, man. Like it's oh, like I don't gosh. know how you profess to support a club and. Um, and yet always just always be so negative about everything. Yeah. You know, there's like, where's the positivity? Where's the hope? Like we've all got to get behind. We can't change it now. We've got to get behind whatever your feelings are about Potter, about the team. Like 
You've got to get behind it. And you know, um, in one of the big other uh, the, the Chelsea podcast, I, I know I don't know if you listen to it, but but one of the things that Andy Saunders always says, you know, he says it's uh, it's in the name. You know, you're a supporter. You got to support the club. So so get on with supporting and stop all the you know stop all the booing, stop all the naysaying on Twitter. It, it's unhelpful. Yeah, Twitter is a deep dark hole of just deep darkness. <laughs> it's uh, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, I can't stand it. But at the same time, like it's as negative as it can be, it's actually a great place to get um, a bit of the finger on the pulse, I think, of where just mm. Chelsea supporters are at, even though it, it sucks. And after every single game that we might draw or lose, it's as if the club's fallen apart. Um, but at the same time, Chelsea Twitter is the place to go to in order to understand generally, I think, where the fans are mm. at the moment and at the moment we're sore but um i'm very positive i don't know about you i i yeah. saw some yeah decent football in our midweek match hmm. yeah i'm gonna get onto that match right now and i think the last thing i'll say is i think it's also you know you know which accounts are, are level-headed right. you know you, you kind of know yeah. which ones to follow to get like an, a sort of an accurate read of what the general consensus is you've always got those outliers who kind of are just uh they inflammatory to get reactions essentially get engagements so they're kind of they're kind of Completely. chasing clout rather than actually you know being Saying truthful anything. about the, the matter but let's yeah. get on to the game we actually had football for the first time in ages it felt like Ooh, um, we, we haven't had you know um well since the zagreb game but i mean that's better you know better left unsaid you know we went to yeah. we we went to Stanford bridge and we played salzburg what, what are your thoughts on the game um it was it, it felt like a thomas tuchel game except we were giving it i'd say like 80 percent more whatever the word is more energy um in terms of the setup the structure like look I mean, it it looked like it was the same. Um, we played, I think I was messaging you, we were trying to figure out exactly what this formation was, but it seemed like a three, yeah. five, two, or three, four, three. I'm not really too sure. So not too dissimilar to um, Tuchel, but I felt like the team did really well. I thought that we had some really good patterns of play, um, some mm. good little link-ups and just some really nice football unfortunately again Chelsea don't know how to uh, score a goal or kick a ball into the back of a net uh, which is freaking me out <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I just don't know how it's going to change um, hopefully Potter can do it and I'm sure he will you'll get the time but um, it's like the same old thing we dominate the ball we play really well uh, one or two um, mistakes errors lead to goal and we don't win the game. It's been our story for far too long. Um, mm. So generally, I was pretty happy, though, when I, I saw the football. I was like, this is good. This is a good sign. It seems like the guys are giving it everything and intricate plays, some good patterns. Um, I was pretty happy. And it seems like Potter's not going to stick with the back three from his, um, from his what do you call it, his uh, interviews. Seems like he's really happy to mm. change it up, which is... Um, music to every Chelsea fan's ears, I'm pretty sure. I think a lot of us mm. were just getting over that back three, uh, the rigidness, which was a bit of the downside to Tuchel, unfortunately. Um, he just stuck mm. with it and didn't want to change. But I'm pretty sure Potter's going to mix that up. But And I think I said it's you. I honestly think he went for experience. 
um, in terms of his choice of team. He decided, um, just like Tuchel's first game, experienced players, get them on the pitch. Let's just get through this game. I think that was the plan. We we basically nailed that plan because we should have got the mm. win. Um, unfortunately, Silva uh, had a really bad slide tackle. I don't know what happened there. And they scored. That's just yeah. unfortunate. Honestly, it's unfortunate. We played well. We yeah. did good. What did you think? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there were some interesting interesting talking points that came out of that game. I think, you know, um specifically with regards to the to to their goal, the um the equalizer. You know, it's it's Tuchel said it a while ago, and I think it still holds true in in that we just seem to be getting punished for every mistake. Um, you know, yeah. a lot of teams can make mistakes and you don't you don't immediately get punished. You know, you, they might get into a good position and then fluff the chance. It seems like every time we yeah. make a mistake, it results in a goal against. And it's um it, the, the only upside of that is it's a, it's a pattern that can't hold, but for now it's yeah. been holding for too long, you know. And I think you look at that that pattern of play. We were so dominant, um, you know, for for most of the game. I think we had more than two thirds percent possession, and um, you know they they score from a breakaway where where Sterling gives the ball away, Jorginho misses a tackle, and then Silva very uncharacteristically. Didn't even miss the tackle. It just kind of he slid no. in, kicked the ball. The ball happened to rebound off the guy's foot. So I mean, you know, it's it's a, it's such fine margins for error there. It wasn't a great tackle. I'm not, I'm yeah. not uh, taking anything away from that in terms of Silver could have done better for sure, but it's just unlucky. Yeah, sees the guy and starts tracking him, but then for some reason just stops tracking him at the most vital point. So there's a four or five moments in that one piece of play where if any one of those moments was different. It stops the goal, and you know yeah. it's just it's just mistake compounded by mistake, and then we pay the price for it. And uh, you know, in that instance, Kepa could have maybe even stuck a leg out instead of instead of doing the collapse dive. You know, maybe that would have made a yep. difference. Who knows? But the guy just happens to squeeze a shot off it and goes in. It's like it's it's just it's unlucky. Um, I guess you could say the same for our goal. I mean, their guy missed a crucial interception and got to got to Sterling. Yeah. So I mean, at the same time, they got punished for a silly mistake as well. But you know, it just seems to be a long-term pattern with us. Um, you know, in terms of the overall overall game, and we we're talking about strategy and and the and the setup and stuff. And I know that you and I would would texting back the game, and we just one of the big problems is we just just shoot, just guys, just shoot. Like, and I know that it's a I know that it's a thing that that Potter, um, you know, has has in the past. You know, you talk to his players; they kind of say he is also the type of manager where he doesn't want you to just just shoot randomly because you lose possession yeah. and you lose the ball, and he wants it to. He wants you to kind of increase your odds. But I'm like, at some point, you're getting into positions where you need to you need to take the chance, and yeah. it just seems like our guys keep cutting back in or or try, you know trying to do the absolute perfect goal every time, and it's just not going to come yeah. off. So yeah. my thought is, we need to we need to shoot more. We need to just get get on the ball more and. Um, at the end of the day, yeah, I don't know. If you're looking at if you're looking at formation as well, which I think is an important thing to to look at. Interesting choice at the back. Uh, you know what looked like in the beginning a back four turned out not to be with Kudrea yes. in the on the left back position. But to have to ha against a team that is is known for pressing and for fast breaks like Salzburg are, to have Silva and Asby together made no Probably. sense to me. The only only thing I can think of is, like you said, it, it was like you can't drop the captain for your first game. You know, you kind yeah. of got to come in, like show a little respect to the to the existing um, like hierarchy of things at the club and um, and play experience. I don't think it was the best 
solution. I know Koulibaly has been playing kind of well and then not so well. But like I said to you on text, man, when you need when you when you're up against a team like Salzburg, you've got so much pace and attack. You needed someone like Fofana to yeah. to kind of be covering for for those um for those counters. Yeah, it's true. And um, Aspie, unfortunately, when you look at that that goal that they scored, and you said it like he, I don't know what he was doing. Like he was well ahead of the player. The ball comes mm. in, and that player outruns him from being behind him, completely outruns him, and gets to the ball first. Um, just mm. unfortunate. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. But again, I, I think it will change. I don't think we're going to see that team. That's not going to be our yeah, starting no, it, it team wasn't, it going wasn't forward great. in any way. Um, I, mean, I, think, it, I think he's going to change it up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's also worth looking at, um, you know, like our attack. Um, you know, Aubameyang is not up to speed yet. He still needs to kind of yeah. seem like he can get some match fitness uh, going. I think, you know, you've got Havertz who is not firing. He can't, you know, in that game, couldn't seem oh. to put a pass together. For love right. or money, um, yeah, and it's just, yeah. At some point, I think that I think that Havis needs to. I said to you, Havis needs to just take a seat for a while. I like the yeah. guy; I think he's great. He's he's still yeah. world class. I think he's just having a, yeah. a bad patch. Bring in Broya. You can see as soon as Broya comes in, the intensity oh, ratchets up. Um, it's, yeah. he's like a he's like a good um, back to goal player. He, he you know he's he's harrying the defenders, getting into good positions, making good runs off the ball. Um, he's a good aerial threat. He's tall. I think it, it makes no sense to to not bring him in. The guy, I, th I think, as soon as he gets a goal, he'll start flying. So I think he will. Did Did you see his? Uh, was it yeah. Was it him that um, set up that counter? Um, and I think Zeke missed it right at the end, or he kicked it straight into the goalie. Um, I'm pretty sure it's mm. Brojo. It was phenomenal. Just yeah, no, pure geez, that was an counter. It was great. It was uh, so good. Yeah, dude, I think that it was that was so unlucky for for Ziyech not to stick that one away. I mean, the keeper had no idea. It was yeah. point blank. He just he just flung himself, happened to happened to hit his top hand. Yeah. Um, so I mean, great save from the keeper, but unlucky, unlucky from our for perspective. Sure. But um, yeah, overall, I think it's nothing nothing to be nothing to be you know too proud of in terms of um, you know we still have that same old problem of not being able to create enough chances. But at the same time, definite positives to take forward. I think you know. Potter now has like this mini break to to kind of hopefully, like we said last week, get some time with the players before the international break and then work with the other yeah. players who aren't going away. Um, and we'll see how it goes. I think Gallagher Gallagher might benefit from the international break, just spending some more time with Potter, maybe get some some extra one-on-ones with him and the team um, and take it from there. So we'll see we'll see what happens after the international break once he's had a lot of time with the players to be, you know, a bit more instillate, like instilling some of his ideologies and 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 whatnot into the team. Yeah, for sure. Again, I'm pretty excited. Uh, that that was just a, a game that we had to win. We put out a, a team. We had a plan. Unfortunate, as we said, Silver and Aspie a bit were to blame. And it happens. That I think the hard thing now is we are bottom of our group and we have a mountain to climb against a really good uh, Milan team that we have to play. At home, we should do okay, but away... That's going to be tricky because we need to get as many points as we can now. It's like it's, yeah, it's it's a bit tough. But mm -hmm. hey, if we drop into Europa League, you know, we could win it for the third time. That's cool too. I really don't mind. <laughs> yeah, 
No, look, um, Europa League wouldn't be the worst the worst outcome. No. I think we need to aim to get at least four points on those two games um, against Milan. Yeah. So, so win at home, draw away would be would be beneficial. Yeah, um, yeah. We don't make it easy for um, ourselves, though. Yeah, I think we've we've said enough about the Salzburg game. <laughs> no, that's for sure. I think we can move on to um, to maybe talking about uh, Todd Bowley, maybe some of the, the reactions to his comments um, mm. that uh, kind of blew up English media this last week. Oh yeah, um, I think he's been he's been equally equally vilified and praised from certain corners um, from some of the, the comments he had to say. But I mean, equally, you know, I think the big one that's kind of blown up uh, and I think you can talk to, to a bit more of it is his idea for the All-Star game, which people are taking mm. like he was, he's implementing this thing. This is his big idea. It was a throwaway support. comment on stage when a guy was asking about how do you help, how do you help support the football pyramid? He's like, hey, why don't we try this thing? It was yeah. a throwaway comment and Oaks have gone ballistic. Yep. Gary what Neville, you, especially. Oh, I I think they are yeah, all xenophobic and racist and no. Nah. Um, I honestly I do think there's a little bit of um, a little bit of xenophobia in there, um, or I I don't know what it is. But as soon as there's like an American voice, it's like oh, Americans can't understand football. Like they only understand soccer, as if they're two different mm. sports. I'm like no. Sure, the guy's learning the ropes. Um, he's he's getting into it. He only really knows uh, baseball. Um, I mean, that's his thing. Um, but he's a sportsman mm. and he's a businessman. And I think I think it's a great idea, um, especially like the heart behind it and, and what he's actually trying to do um, to help the football mm. pyramid in England. I'm like, yeah, good on him. It sounded like in the States it's raised tons of money. Um, and his suggestion was to do the same thing in England. And Mr. Neville and Carragher, and I don't know if you saw Carragher's reaction on TV as well. It's just a bit embarrassing oh, as well. Yeah. I'm sorry. You actually look like a xenophobic, um, patriotic, like entitled Brit who just mm. doesn't want to open up their mind to anything like progressive. Um so mm. I don't know. It's it's honestly it's I I see it and I'm like oh great it's the media just vilifying Chelsea once again which I kind of love I love Chelsea being the villains honestly I'm like it, it's good I, <laughs> like give me Diego Costa and all those players like, yeah any day of the week I, I I love it I don't want us ever to be the Liverpool's that are put up as the golden boys of the Premier League like that that just sucks um, I don't mm. want that but. It was just in bad taste. I'm like, come on, man. He's he's giving a thought. He's putting out a really good idea. Like, like just be, why don't you talk about the positives? It's just always the negatives with those guys. Um, I'm mm. sure if Ferguson had suggested it, it would be the best idea in the world. Just let me oh, put of it course. like that. Of course. I think the interesting thing that came out of, I don't know if you saw, you know, you've got guys like Rio Ferdinand who, um, you know, making comments about oh there's my wife in the background hello Sorry, oh nice <laughs> <laughs> yay um 
She loves Chelsea too. So, um, you know, so you've got right. you've got Rio Ferdinand making comment about you know how ridiculous this whole thing is, and uh, you know what what about you know Americans coming in and they don't understand the English game, and then someone dug up a tweet of his from like 2011 where he's going, oh, just watching the MLB All Star game. This is amazing. Why don't we look at doing this in England? So, you know, it's like these guys oh. don't actually have an opinion. They have an opinion of no. what they think is going to make them look cool in the moment. You know, um, they just kind of go with the tide, and I think it's ridiculous. So, you know, you've kind of got um. You've kind of got like all these guys, like you say, like it's from from an outsider's perspective, um, you know, as uh, we being international fans, um, you know, we don't we don't necessarily, I think, have the same uh, like geographical um, link that a lot of these a lot of these like English supporters and, and whatnot do. And and fair enough, yeah. um, you know, they can have whatever their opinion is. As international supporters, we we're entitled to our opinion as well. And I think, like you say, it it just yeah. really does come across as um as weirdly xenophobic. But you know, and yeah. it's like you know, it seems like anything that Bowley says now, um, uh, yeah. you know, is is ridiculous because because he's American. You know, you've obviously got yeah. these guys who have previous, you know, and it's Carragher and Neville leading the charge on this. They both have bad experiences with. Um, with FSG uh, owners and with yeah. the Glazers, and so the they obviously they predisposed they predisposed to hating Americans in that sense, or American yeah. ownership, should I say? And you know they they're yeah. talking about um, I don't know if you saw that tweet. Um, I think it was from from Gary Neville about, about how American ownership is becoming a clear and present danger in the current yeah. English uh, setup. And I, I tweeted from our account saying. I mean, you've got you've got Saudi ownership uh, of of multiple clubs in the league, yeah. who who as a country have have yeah. like actual human rights abuses, but yeah. but you don't talk about that. You talk about you talk about yeah. American American ownership being a danger because they they might try to bring in some new fresh ideas to uh, yeah. you know what could be seen as a, a a sport that is not necessarily stagnating, but it just is really stuck in their old ways of not wanting to be progressive or not wanting to try something new. And you totally. get these guys who just kind of keep spouting that same, that same rhetoric. And I don't think it's helpful in the long run. I agree. And I'd say this, Gary Neville, if you're listening, you're a knob. That's, that's all I'll say. <laughs> He's, definitely He's one of our biggest fans. <laughs> no, you know, what the funny thing is about Gary Neville is that generally, generally, I, I, I don't mind his, his commentary, his punditry. He's, he's always, Oh, I can't stand him. Seemed be fairly um fairly like um i don't know partisan i guess in terms of yeah. being able to being able to call out what's bad and being able to praise what's good you know he obviously has his affinity to united and why yeah. wouldn't he i guess any player would but i generally haven't hated his punditry but i just find this one so strange from him honestly yeah. no i i agree and um i i, I think Bowley now as you said i think he might be painted as a, a bit of a villain so now he's going to have to walk a bit on eggshells. But um seems like on the other side, he he does some really great stuff. I've seen that he's um, trying to get some sort of meetings with all of the owners or the managers together, do like a dinner with them and just try to create mm. like this community and this, I guess, family dynamic uh, to the league. I don't know how close those guys are in reality. Mm. Um, but I was like, good on him, man. Like new guy coming in, he's, he's doing what he can. Um, mm -hmm. like, that's good. Like you have a new person who comes into your company to work for, for you like you don't want the yes men you want the guys who will uh suggest who will be progressive who'll bring new ideas who will um think in ways that you haven't thought before in order to see your company go to new levels you know like i, I just 
I, I don't get those comments and hopefully it changes. Hopefully, you know, what's going to happen. Like they, they will forget about it. And then in a few years time, it'll come back up. Somebody else will suggest it and everybody will get on the bandwagon and they'll forget that we suggested it first. Yeah. And it's our thing. So yeah, there we go. Now, Chelsea are always at the forefront of trying to do something new and different, it seems. So, We're but, um, you know, it's, I, I think, I think the thing is, what I find also quite strange is, is portraying Bowley as this like bumbling, like American idiot, you know, and like, yeah. I, I, you know, you, you kind of go like, this guy is a billionaire. You don't get to become a billionaire if you don't know what you're doing, first of yeah. all unless it's daddy's money, but, uh, you know, like he's got that. He's also, it's not the fact, you know, he's coming in fresh into football ownership, but the guy's not new to sports ownership. You know, no. he understands the mechanics of how sports and, and, uh, you know, sporting contracts and, and sponsorship deals and how all of those things work. Maybe he doesn't understand the exact specifics of how it works in football yet, but the guy's not an idiot. He's not coming in cold, no. you know, um, as like a banker or something going like, oh, I understand banking and now I'm in football. Like the guy understands yeah. sports ownership. He's coming in with fresh ideas from a different context and going, let's see what works. Maybe it doesn't work. Cool. We don't try it. But but I would rather have someone who's coming to the table going, hey, why don't we, why don't we think about this um, than have a, an owner who just doesn't care. You know, or who is yeah. silent and who has no um, ambition. Yeah, I'd rather have a guy who's pushing the boundaries and getting flack for it than a guy who just sits there on his ass, just waiting to get his money back. Do you know what I mean? I think, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's just a bit, it's just a bit of a silly reaction um, to a guy who, who is coming. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...in with some fresh ideas, I, I, I think, personally. So... Um, yeah. yeah, I don't understand it, but I think we can talk about you know another another one of those um, those big talking points that came out of that conference he was talking at, which was the idea of uh, Chelsea emulating the City Group or the you know the Red Bull Group and and having multiple clubs uh, affiliated um, officially in uh, in different regions. And I know we you know we used to have that um, sort of like jokey Chelsea B in uh, Vitesse Arnhem with yeah. uh, you know we'd send all of our players there. And it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't like an official partnership. It was like this. This like unofficial partnership. There was no no sense of ownership uh, across the two. You know. So you you couldn't, yeah. as Chelsea, uh, necessarily control. Um, and I know that's not always what you want. You don't want big clubs controlling how little clubs play. But in in essence, for when you're trying to what you're trying to do when you're emulating those those multiple club groups, you want to be able to have control so that when you send out a player, say to um whatever this club is that you now are affiliated to and you can actually say like we're going to send you this player he needs to have x amount of minutes we need to be playing in this sort of a formation because the end goal is actually for the benefit of the mother club um and i know that that yeah. is quite a, a maybe an arrogant thing to say um you know as one of the few clubs in the world that could possibly even afford to do that but what are your thoughts on uh, on on this whole perspective uh, in essence uh, partner feeder club uh, model I um, I don't know like too much about it to be honest. Uh, I know that as you said, City and the uh, Red Bull 
guys do it. Um, from my understanding, so Julian Alvarez, that city have now signed, was mm. he part of one of their feeder clubs? That's my understanding. I might be wrong in that. Okay, so it was. Uh, because, I mean, on that level, it, it, it makes sense. And I think Alvarez is a perfect example. Um, like that guy, I'm sorry, I think he's going to be like world-class, like superstar. He's just come into the league. But I was watching a little bit of him mm. um, before he came across to City, like just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I think it gives young guys who, and I guess with Chelsea, they struggle with this, like a clear path into the first team, um, or at least a clear yeah. path with potential to get into the first team, like a, a real um, opportunity to get in. Because um, you go out, you have enough game time, as you said, um, where if you're on loan, that's not always guaranteed. Um, as we've seen with some of our mm. players who have been our brightest stars, we think they're going to absolutely smash it. Like Billy Gilmore, mm. a perfect example. Um, yeah. I think Tuchel actually sent him to Daniel Fark, if I'm not mistaken, sent yeah, him there. He did. Um, and he told him, like, this is a great coach. He is a great coach. Like, similar style, similar philosophy. Like, you're going to flourish under him. And then he just sat on the bench, didn't play well. Like, the, it was just yeah, horrible no. for him. Um and I agree. If it's if it's a feeder club, it's it's it is owned by a corporation or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's their assets, so they will they'll do what's asked basically because they're owned by mm. the same mm. corporation. I, I don't know exactly how it works, um, but yeah. in that way, it makes sense. I've seen that uh, we want to scrap the loan army, which is not a not a bad thing. Um, and I, I think it's a positive. A positive move like i don't know all the ins and outs of it honestly i don't i've seen city mm. do it and seems like they do it really well um alvaro is being a yeah. perfect example for me um because who knows somebody else could have scouted him but the fact that he plays for their feeder club means that he wants i think at some level he knows it's a feeder club to city so if i play for this club i have the potential to play for city it just it like increases your mm. your your options for all these young players. You know, they're like, I want to play for Chelsea. Okay, there's this feeder yeah. club. I join them. I'll, I'll get the game time. I can prove my worth, knowing that it's owned by the same owner. Um, that they are they are watching every game. They are they are seeing everything that happens. They are highly highly invested mm. in it. It's not just a scout that visits every so often and and watches a game here or there, but like they're heavily invested. So. I think it's a good. I think it's great with all our young players. Like, it's just what we need. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, no, no. I think it's. I think it's a phenomenal um, model. Um, you know, I think that there's there's danger for for people to say, oh, well, you you kind of hoarding talent at the, at some point. But who cares? I don't care. Good. I no. want Chelsea to succeed. Yeah. I don't care about anybody else. You know, and yeah. um, you you know, the, they've had talks supposedly with um, you know, there was all those big talks that we heard about with with Bowley and George Mendes over the over the yeah. summer and um you know they were talking about how the, you know they thought that that mainly was about ronaldo and it probably was to some degree but now it's sort of coming out that there's a lot of that was also george mendez's um ability to procure relationships with a portuguese club and there's talk yeah. of uh, i think it's vittorio sporting, de Cetabal. sporting um <laughs> no it'll never be one of the big boys <laughs> um, no. <laughs> i think it, i think they said i think they said vittorio de Setabal might be the might be the option or 
um, one of those clubs. And I think that's great. Yeah. So there's talk, there's talk of um, uh, potential for a Portuguese club, a potential for a Belgian club um, awesome. uh, as, the two, as the two European options. And there's talk of potentially uh, maybe one of, a, a, one of the Brazilian clubs, which I think is a, is a great way oh, to, to yes. tap into the South American talent. So the talk is yeah. potentially a South American club. If not a South American club, there was, there was talks of doing some form of, not an ownership deal, but some form of like a formalized partnership with the, the Santos uh, youth, which I think would be Ooh. incredible. I mean, you look at what Santos has produced over the last two decades or so. I mean, it's unbelievable. So yeah. you can get in there and into, into that South American talent stream, identify guys early. Um, and then, and then the beauty of the, the Portuguese and the Belgian clubs is because the, 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 the rules for Brexit are so stringent at the moment, it's impossible to get young South American talent into, into your team. Yeah. Whereas the rules are very different in Portugal and yes. Belgium. So, the, the requirements are a lot less. So then you get you get the guy into the system early. Essentially, you get him into yeah. one of those, you know, potentially the Portuguese club because because they speak Portuguese in Brazil. It's a it's an easy tra um, transition for them. You know, it's not like yeah. you're going to a whole new country with a whole new language and everything you got to learn. It, it'll feel very similar to um, to to the to South American and specifically Brazilian players going to Portugal. You get them into the system early. Um, you get whatever the requirements are up. And then at some point, if they if they do make it, if they are good enough, if they're looking um, hot enough to be able to play, you bring them across to the Chelsea first team, yes, um, or at least into the setup at at, at Chelsea. So I think long term, uh, long term, it is so beneficial for for our club to to be able to identify players early, get them into a system where yeah. a we are in control of their development, like we would be with a development squad, but in an actually competitive league. Um, yeah. Two, you're getting. Um, you're getting them to to um, have the requirements necessary to to get into the country if that isn't an option because of all the Brexit um, things. But also, you you know, over and above the ownership and things, you get to then dictate not dictate, but you kind of get to set up a model for how the organization as a whole plays. So you kind of have an overarching yeah. uh, strategy for you know for those things. So if Chelsea, let's say for instance, is a club who you know, we have a certain identity, a certain style of play, a certain formation that we tend to use wow. mostly. You know, you implement you implement that at those other clubs. Get the guys used to playing in a certain system. If you've got this long-term plan, like it seems like Bowley does with Potter, uh, it just yeah. makes everything easier. It's It just greases those yeah. wheels in terms of, uh, of getting players, uh, you know, actually into the Chelsea system. And I think it can only be a good thing for us in the long run. And that is what Chelsea have been sorely, sorely missing. I think when Roman came in, we had glimpses of glimpses of that for like the first few years. Like, oh, this mm. is you know, like this is the new Chelsea. This is like fresh identity. And then obviously, Mourinho crashed. And then it's, I mean, honestly, it was just patching up holes and winning trophies for the next ten odd mm. years, um, yeah. which has done us well. And it's been great. I wouldn't have it any other way. But mm. I, I'm very much looking forward to that where, um, as, as we can see with City, where I think they're streaks ahead of us and probably mm. probably the most well-run club in the world, I would say, at the moment. Um, 100%. They, they, they just have it down. And you see, I'm like, they, mm. just, they get the players they want. They get the managers they yeah. want. There's never, ever been some, like, crazy thing where every everything's perfect and then you wake up the next morning and then all of a sudden there's just 
some scandal here, some player breakdown, manager breakdown, like Chelsea's had for years. Mm. Um, they just don't have that. It's it's stability, and and you can see they're building something mm. strong. I just pray that they never win the Champions League, and I'll be happy. You know? um, <laughs> Dude, the way that Haaland's scoring at the moment, I, I think they oh, I think they've got gosh. it in the bag. No, but, um, you know, I, I think I think you're right. I think you look at you look at City's model and you go, they have a clear vision for what they want. They yeah. they have a clear understanding of what their system is. They have a clear scouting network across all of their you know uh, existing yeah. clubs and obviously other clubs. And they they know where the weaknesses are in the first team and and who the best players are through data analysis and scouting networks to be able yeah. to plug those gaps. Honestly, the only player that I can see in the last five years that that City have actually bought and spent a decent amount of money on that hasn't worked well for them. And I mean, they've bought a lot of players and almost all yeah. of them are successful. The only player at the moment yeah. still, and I mean, it could, it could still come good, is Grealish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, well, Mendy. <laughs> Mendy. Yeah, Mendy, look, Mendy, Mendy's uh, gameplay wasn't great, but his, his personal life has took a, took a dive. But you know, if you, yeah. you're, spending, you're dropping 100 million on, on Grealish and yeah. I mean, the guy isn't performing to City standards. But I mean, no. he's probably the only one I can think of when you go, their system didn't fail them, but he hasn't lived up to what their system usually produces. So that's true. But I could have told you that, man. Greenwich had terrible stats. Um, if you're looking purely at outputs, like assists and goals, like he was shocking. Mm -hmm. He was able to do a little, mm -hmm. like, yeah, he's just a flash player, man. Another wing, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hundred percent agree. So I think in the long term, I think it's going to be good for us. I, I'm excited to see where yeah. where it goes. And you know, I don't, I don't obviously understand a lot about uh, MLB or baseball. I'm not going to try and speak into that. But from all the stuff that I've been hearing and reading about in terms of how um, Bowley's team, the Dodgers, have been set up, you know, they apparently have done something very similar to this in terms of how they have set up um, like minor league teams and and other teams mm. that they kind of have a consistent like feeder network of players just in the system, just coming through, coming through, coming through. And I mean, I, I'm not sure. I think Alex Goldberg, who is, I think, more American or Canadian. Um, I'm not sure of his actual nationality, but he he was talking into because he's a big, seems to be a big MLB fan as well. Um, and he, I don't think, supports the Dodgers, but was saying he's very jealous of their setup because it just mm. seems like they always have good players coming through the system in a way that crucially is sustainable. It's not, it's not this yeah. like fly by night, uh, like hit and miss, like blah, 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 blah. They've got a system that, that works for them in the long run. It's clearly been working for them for years. Um, and so why not institute something like that in football and, and, and reap the benefits like, like a team like they, like they are, uh, but in a different sport? Yeah. So I got a question for you then, Nick. When, mm. when you're looking at that, it's like big vision. It's, I mean, we can see it. Like, it makes me excited, like five years down the line to see where Chelsea could be if we implement all of this. With that in mind, do you think Potter is the right guy for all of that? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, don't, I, I do have my reservations about, about him as, a, as that long-term long manager. It's, I think it's still, it's still yet to be seen what he can do in the long run. I think we, we still like, we've only one game in, as we know, it's still early doors to be able to yeah. make any sort of call. And I mean, we've seen, we've seen other managers come up from, from nothing almost, you know, and, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the career trajectory of a, of a guy like Tuchel, um, you know, coming from a Mainz uh, to Dortmund and Dortmund were good, but they weren't like, they weren't like smashing the yeah. league every year, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, and then going to a PSG 
and uh, and and so some some of these guys they just that is their progression and that potentially is Potter's yeah. progression as well. He's going from a Europa League club in Sweden, uh, you know, to uh, a team in the Premier League, which let's be honest is is more difficult, I'd say, managing in the Premier League than it is man- potentially even managing a Dortmund team um, in yeah. in the Bundesliga, you know, uh, and yeah. and then getting them to to overperform in a league that is incredibly difficult. Oh, so sure. so Potter, Potter has something in him that has potential. Yeah. I don't know if, if he's the man long-term, uh, if he's going to be able to win over the players with the big egos. Until he wins something, there's always going to be a question mark over his head as to whether or not he's the man. And I don't think he's going to do that this season. Um, and I think there's a potential for, for him to, to try to steal a cup next season. I don't think we'll be challenging for the league. I don't think we'll be challenging for... Um, Realistically, even if we get into the competition, I don't think we'll be challenging yet for Champions League again next season. But there's a potential with the squad, and if we if we you know keep bolstering it with one or two more signings in January and in the summer, we could we could aim for for an FA Cup or even a even you know if we drop out of the Champions League, aim for a Europa League or something. And until he gets one of those cups under his belt, I think there's going to be yeah. question marks. But but who knows? Who knows? We're so positive here on the King's Road. Yeah. <laughs> always, no cuts. Always. No look. trophies for the next few years, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, look, I, it's not it's not what I want, but I think you know it's like nah. it's like um it's Chelsea have lived Chelsea have lived by the by the like um win now, like die young <laughs> mentality. Yeah. Like it's like slash and burn. You win you win immediately yeah. or you die. And I think that at some yeah. point that's going to stop being sustainable for us. And I think we're hitting that point now where you're seeing how well yeah. other clubs are being run because we at this, at one point were so far ahead of guys in terms of finances yes. and teams and management and stuff. And, and, and other guys have caught up now. And I, I don't think that our model of, of like, uh, you know, that we have done for the last 15, 20 years is actually going to be sustainable in the long run. I think that this is actually what we needed as a club. Um, and, uh, and if it takes a year or two of pain for 10 years of success, I think anybody would take well. Anybody who's not a, a plastic fan on Twitter would, you yeah. know, would actually look at that and go, "Yeah, yeah, I'll take, I'll take two years of pain for ten years of success." So, I agree. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I think we've we've had a good conversation about um, where we're at, where we're going, and uh, I think that I think what would be cool and a little fun thing to to finish on today, um, we saw has been going around, well, at least was going around Twitter at the beginning of the week, was everybody was posting their. They're Chelsea best 11s of all time. And I think realistically, we can only really do Chelsea best 11s of all time since we've been supporters because it's it feels yes. lame to go like, oh, I'll put Peter Osgood in my team. Like, I never saw Osgood, that guy play. Zola. So, yeah. 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 Oh, Zola, damn it. Oh, man. Oh, oh no. <laughs> he's not in my team. Oh. oh okay, I'm going to have to drop. I'm going to have to drop out the one. Uh, I'll tell you. Okay. Do you want to go first? Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll go first. Okay, so I, I'm going with a old school Jose Mourinho four two three one formation, just so you know. And um, wow. I'll, are we going to throw in a, our best manager? Well, it's Jose for me. It's probably the same for you. Yeah, um, has to be. Has to be. It's got to be. Tuchel would have been that, but yeah. Anyway, mm. okay. So goalkeeper, no, it's got to be, got to be Petr Cech, and then we're going through the. The back line, so from right to left, I've got Reese James, then John Terry, then Tiago Silva, and then Ashley Cole. That's my mm-hmm. back line. And geez, that is a phenomenal back line if they ever play together. And then <laughs> in front of that, 
I've got uh, N'Golo Kante and Michael Essien, one of my favorite players ever for Chelsea. And then my midfielders, I'm going for, well, midfielders slash wingers. I've got Hazard and Robin on my wings because Robin was one of my favorite players too. I've got Lampard yeah. in there. And then leading the line is Mr. Didier Drogba. That's, that is a team yeah. that will win yeah. everything, every single yeah, trophy really. possible right there. Yeah. yeah. Where you going? Okay, so I mean, I think that's the that's the thing, right? So you look at you look at historically Chelsea, and I mean, it's there's there's just certain there's just certain positions where you can't not have certain players. You know, there's that spine yeah. down the middle that that if you don't put them in, you're a joke. And uh, yeah. yeah, so so our teams are going to be are going to look fairly similar. I've got one or two one or yeah. two differences, um, Ooh, and I think okay. it's it's potentially stylistic, but also just players that I just really connected with and just loved uh, watching at the club. Yeah. So. I'll do the same from the back. We've got the same. Obviously, Petacek, you can't beat him. There's just never, there's never yeah. been a, a keeper who's going to, who has been better than him for Chelsea and who had such yeah. longevity and as and won as much as he did and also was uh, as influential as he was in, you know, in our yeah. Champions League run to our first ever Champions League trophy. Um, you Ashley Cole never had a better left back. Probably the, one of the best left backs mm -hmm. in history, let alone one of the best left backs in Chelsea history. I mean, one of the best left backs in world football history in my opinion um so how and, could you leave him out um, and the one defender that sorry that cristiano and ronaldo said he's the hardest defender to come up against absolutely absolutely obviously you've got to have your john terry in there that's a no-brainer um also i would say one of the best one of the best center backs in history definitely one of the best premier league mm -hmm. center backs of all time and i would say one of the best captains of all time and here's where we differ a little bit. I've actually paired him up. Uh, I, I do love Silver. I do love Silver. I think that I'm I just have Carvalho. this thing of like, if, if yeah, I'm going Carvalho. I'm going Carvalho. <laughs> you have to go Carvalho, man. The, the Terry Carvalho partnership was yeah. phenomenal. That was, it was almost unstoppable. And you had Terry, you had Terry as the like, the hard man, uh, like, put your face on the line, win everything. And then you had, you had um, Carvalho as that like pacey, like like ball playing uh, center back who could who could break forward. Um, oh, he was there was such a good combination. Oh, yeah. And then and then at, at, at right back, um, I've actually gone. Um, I've gone Ivanovic. I, I, I just hey, love, I Ivanovic so. in his prime. <laughs> Ivanovic in his oh, prime yeah. was was a force to be reckoned with. And I, I think I think by the end of his career, I think Reese James has the potential um, because we, oh, yeah. you know you've always seen players. Not live up to potentials, like your Delhi Alleys. Now you're watching the decline of, of Trent Alexander Arnold. You know, like you know, you, yes. you you get these players who play well for two or three seasons. And everyone hypes them up, and then they drop off the map. You know, yeah. Ivanovic did it for for six, seven years with us, uh, and I think that by the end of his career, Reese James has the potential to be our best ever right back. I really do think that uh, if he if he maintains yeah. his standards, and I really do believe that he will. For right now, I've got to go. I've got to go historically and go Ivanovic. Um, Okay, midfield. Hard not to put Kante in there. It's a toss-up between Kante and Makalele, mm -hmm. but I think that I think that Kante mm. brings brings even more than what Makalele did. I think Makalele was a master of his position, but Kante gives you yeah. gives you everything that Makalele did and more. I think, yeah. um, which is a big call. But I mean, it's I, I think anybody in world football would 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 be hard pressed to to leave Kante out of a, an all star team. Yeah, you've got your Lampard in there. My favorite player of all time, my hero. What formation are you going for? Um, yeah, four three three. And then, three. and then four, four three. What's three. your formation? Four, four three three. Four three three. Or so, four four three, huh? Four three three. As yeah, Bowley said. Yeah, yeah, four four three as Bowley apparently 
uh, Bradley said. Bradley, yeah. Well, you know, it's probably actually more of like a four-one, a four-one-two-three, uh, actually, because you'd have Kante as a sitting, okay. as a sitting DM, holding midfield, um, yeah. and then and then you'd have you'd have the uh, and then I have two two uh, attacking midfielders in Lampard and, can you guess it? Balak. Balak, dude, you know me too well, bro. I knew it, bro. I, I just knew it. Bloody love it. <laughs> I love it. Love dude. a I, I bloody love a good Balak. Yeah, you've, you've, you've called all of my. You've called all of my uh, my ones. You called Carvalho. You you called Patel. Yep. You called Ivanovic. You called Balak. Right so those are my differences. Yep. Um. And dude, okay. So my my front three obviously got to have Drogba spearheading the line. Um. Yep. And you'd be you'd be hard pressed to to leave Hazard out of a, of any sort of conversation when it comes to our best ever wingers. And you know, I for complete and I actually want to kill myself because because Zola was my was the reason oh, I started wow. supporting Chelsea. I loved oh, I wow. loved Zola so much and I completely I completely forgot about him. I completely forgot about Shame. him. I left him off my list. So I think Zola, I think that realistically Nick yeah, is very sorry. I am very sorry. But I mean realistically he would be he would be on my list. But I've got to stay faithful to what I wrote down. And um do you know who I put on my other wing? Let's see if you get this one. Okay so Mourinho days. Uh, Early Mourinho was he days. A left, left wing or right wing? I think he was a left wing if I if if I'm not mistaken, um, I think he, he used to he used to Duff? switch across. <laughs> Damien Duff. Damien yes. Duff. <laughs> <Call it. laughs> yeah, bro. Man. You know me. You know me too well. So nice. Yeah, I used to love Duff, dude. I love Damien yeah. Duff. I love watching him play. And um, yeah, he was epic. I saw. I, for some reason, I whenever I picture him, I picture him, and I think in that um in that away kit with the two the two thick blue stripes. If you remember Ooh, yeah, that yeah. Uh, the white kit with the two yeah. thick blue stripes. So um yeah, it was just it was a good one, bro. It was like it was that was like that was like classic Chelsea back in the old day. You know, I've got such good memories oh, of that right. team. So I think I'm a bit biased in terms of my like historic picks, but um yeah. But you know, you know, supporting a club like Chelsea, you could probably make three full starting 11s that are all like world class. So yeah. If yeah. if you're listening to this, let us know in the comments your best Chelsea starting eleven. Uh, the rules are that it has to be within the time that you started watching Chelsea, right? That's what we did. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Let us yeah. know in the comments. When is when did you start? Actually, I don't even know when when was when did you actually start supporting? I started supporting. I'm one of the typical um, plastic Chelsea fans that you would call a plastic Chelsea fan. Um, it actually started, I went to my friend's house. I, I, I grew up never, ever, ever watching football. Like, it just wasn't a thing. Um, I was way into cricket. Mm. And then I went to a friend's house in eighth grade and his dad was a full-on Chelsea fan, like through and through. Uh, he was from England. Mm. And we sat on the mm. couch because Chelsea were playing. Sat down and the dad looked at me and he said, what club do you support? So I was like, uh, I don't watch. And then he said, do you support Chelsea now? I was like, okay, <laughs> cool, that's it. Um, but I didn't oh, really man. take it seriously. Um, that was that was like eighth grade. And then um, that was before Roman came in and before Mourinho. And then the year that Mourinho came in and we got the Samsung deal, um, mm. I got a Samsung phone and opened it up. And this thing was incredible, you know, because I'd, I'd gone from mm. one of those block phones that had no color to this thing that just like was incredible open it up <laughs> and i saw didier drogba and Hernan crespo um in the background oh, crespo. that's how it came loaded yeah that, that's that's what the phone came loaded with that was your background and i was like these guys just look so flipping cool and and from there i just yeah. started getting into football and i was like i think that old memory of my friend's dad as well as my phone i was like 
um, Chelsea. And then that year, obviously, that was the year that we started dominating. So what is it, 04, 05? That's when we just started killing it. And and that was it, bro. That was my story. And before we end, bro, what what was your story? I I don't think I'd actually heard yours either. Yeah, no, that's amazing, dude. Oh, I bloody love Crespo, dude. Um, Mm. um, You know, my my story actually started in 99. Um, I started supporting in 99. I didn't, you know, it's like everybody was watching football and I, and I didn't have a club to support. Um, didn't really have an affiliation to anything in England that would give me a reason to. Like, I didn't have a grandfather who was from this area or whatever. So, at the time, all I knew was I didn't want to support one of the popular teams. I didn't want to support a United, yes. a Liverpool, and Arsenal. I just didn't want to yeah. support one of those because I was like, I didn't want to, I honestly didn't want to be seen as a plastic fan. Like, I was like, let's, let's go yeah. for the guy guys just below that and funnily enough the two teams that were really doing quite well that were like just underneath those top three was Chelsea and Leeds and um oh. and so and at the time I think I think that um South African captain Lucas Khadebe was uh was yeah. still playing for Leeds and so yeah. Yeah. I actually was I was actually I was actually genuinely leaning a bit more towards Leeds um as oh. a as a choice thankfully didn't didn't do that because that would have been a nightmare but um yeah. But at the time, I was a bit undecided. Honestly, at the time, I preferred the color blue. So that was a big that was a big thing for me. I was still on the fence. Okay. Fast forward to do you remember when um maybe you don't, because if you only started watching a bit later, but but back in back in ninety-nine, we they used to show um like some Champions League games on um on like ETV, if you remember if you remember yes, ETV, yeah, 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 yeah. Um uh, yeah. tonight on E. And yes, um yeah. There, dude. Uh, so Chelsea were playing. Chelsea were playing Barcelona, and I was like, "Oh, I kind of mm. like this team. Let me watch." And and at the time, I had no like, I had no idea of like where Chelsea sat in the pecking order, and I also had no idea of like how ridiculously good Barcelona were. I just thought like, "Oh, yes. Spanish team." I didn't really, I didn't really have yeah. a concept of it. And I remember, yeah. I remember in that game, we were playing uh, at home at Stamford Bridge, and um. And Zola scored this free kick from like outside the box. It's like ridiculous, like long range, top corner free kick. And I was like, yeah. who is this guy? He's incredible. Yeah. I think Chelsea ended up going on to win that game 3-0, right? Against Barcelona. Jeez. At the time when Chelsea weren't a, we weren't like a powerhouse. We were like just a team yeah. that was overperforming. And I remember yeah. specifically how mental the commentators were going. Like this should not be happening. Like Chelsea should awesome. not be winning 3-0 against Barcelona. And so I think that was the moment where I was like, who is this club? Like, who are these guys? Yeah. Like, this is amazing. Like, these commentators are going nuts. This Zola guy is amazing. What a what a ridiculous free kick! Um, and uh, so I think from from that point onwards, it kind of it kind of um, settled me on on Chelsea. And then the the funny thing is, in the return leg at the Bernabeu, we got smashed like four 0 or something. <laughs> so, yeah. At Camp No, you mean? Our, yeah, our, our dominance our dominance against Barcelona didn't last long in that in that uh, in that season. Oh. But um, yeah, that was the Jeez. moment, dude. It was that Zola. It was that Zola free kick that actually settled it for me. So I can, sure. I can pinpoint it back to that very that very moment. Wow, but but how crazy is it? Like just those, those stories. I'm like. Those are going to change because now City have come up the ranks. So I think in like 10, mm. 10 years' time, we're actually, and there's always a joke about how they have no fans because they don't really. Um, yeah. But I mean, and we'll see in 10 years' time, it's, it's going to show. They've put their stake in the ground. Yeah. Hopefully, what we're starting to do now is I think where they are a few years ahead of us. And in 10 years' mm. time, I mean, I've, I've met way more City fans in my life today than I 
ever have before, you know. Um, they're starting yeah. to pop up everywhere. Maybe half of them supported Chelsea a few years ago. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, you look at Newcastle. Yeah. I'm like, I got a little kid, my little boy, what, five years old. He's good. If he gets into football, who knows? Hopefully he doesn't support Newcastle and they don't become the team. Um, but it's, yeah. it's interesting just to see how, how people get into it. Yeah, no, look, I mean, half of parenting is making sure that your, your kids support your club, dude. It's like, it's crucial. It's true. You've got to make it happen. It like, true. I will, I yeah. love my, I love my son, but I will, I will, I will just discontinue this plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, no, that's good. It's a, it's an interesting, it's interesting. I'm kind of just wanting to get, um, I bought him like a Chelsea onesie when he was like a baby. I'm trying to get oh, him nice. like a kit yeah, now. Yeah. So that he's got like photographic yes. memories of him in the kit. So you got, you've got to be able to be like, yes. you can't support someone else. You've grown up in the kit, you know? Totally. So, right. So that's, that's let me know family. if you find one. I want to get one too. They're so expensive, dude. I, I think the only ones oh, are at like at the actual Nike factory shop or like Sportsman's, like a thousand rand for like a toddler's oh. a toddler's kit. It's like ridiculous. So I just I'm not there yet, but no yeah, we'll no. see. We'll see. But maybe get one off Wish or something. I'll see if they've got any on Wish. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, Sean, I think that kind of brings us to a close for another episode, for episode two of uh, the King's Road, uh, looking at Chelsea Football Club. For now, to everybody who's watching this, uh, anybody who will watch us in the future, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, feel free to chat to us on Twitter. Uh, we are at the King's Road CFC. And uh, we also uh, make the show into a podcast. So if for some reason you happen to be watching this, but you'd prefer to, to listen to this in future, uh, feel free to subscribe wherever you uh, get your podcast from. Um, and we'll, we'll see you again next week uh, with some more updates on uh, what's been happening in the world of Chelsea. I don't think there's going to be any games between now and then, potentially. We're no. not playing uh, Champions League next week, I don't think. And, um, we have a but we'll still break. have something to talk about. No, I think we only play again after the international break. So, yeah. Sean, thank you very much. Best of luck for the weekend, whatever that uh, holds for you and your family. Thanks, Nick. You too, man. It's good to chat. Yeah, great to chat. And we'll see everybody uh, again next week.